Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of communicating successfully about even the most divisive topics. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel, dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question, instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, perhaps, just perhaps, you have had, especially in the last few years, a few conversations that turned into debates or even arguments. <laughs> if you haven't, then you're a very peace-loving person indeed, or you may be a total chicken, <laughs> because as you've seen, the world is pretty much divided. If we talk just about America, how many divisions do we see? Well, there's right versus left. There's Trump Republicans against other Republicans. There's Republicans against Democrats. There's far left against more centrist left. And of course, then there's uh, all the gay, LGBTQT, whatever, against straight people. And then there's uh, the old against the young. And there's black against white. How could I forget that? And of course, there's man against woman, right? Uh, <laughs> And I'm sure there are more that just don't pop into my mind at the time. Oh, yes, right. There's Ukraine against Russia. That's also a big topic in America. Uh, <laughs> I go on and on and on about this. And divisions are more obvious than ever before. Of course, if you go back to communist literature in the 1930s, you know, they planned those things. They said, if you want to take down a country and you're not militarily strong enough to do so, what you do is you infiltrate that country, you have your agents there, it look like normal people, but they have maybe some leftist groups or rightist groups or whatever. You do anything you can to divide people. For example, workers against employers. That's another one I forgot to mention. So many unions were totally infiltrated by communists back in 1930s, 40s, 50s. Uh, Joe McCarthy wasn't totally wrong. His methods were pretty atrocious, but he recognized some things. And the government, there were communist agents in the Roosevelt and Truman governments, most likely in every government we've had, but especially in, in those. So yeah, divisions all around us. Am I saying the problems now because of specifically communists? Communists have failed all over the world. No, but other groups, for example, globalist New World Order people, they learned the lessons very well from the communists and from the Nazis as well, who used similar techniques. But we're going to speak on a more personal level here. Communicating successfully. Well, I like to define my terms. What does it mean to communicate? For some people, communicate means to talk. Well, unfortunately, that's the situation I'm often in because I'm sitting here now alone on a very hot day. Well, not very hot, just <laughs> have to wait a few weeks for that. I live near Tokyo and it's about, nine, well, 90 degrees, maybe 89, 90 degrees. And it's almost always humid here. It'll get worse. It'll go up to 95, 96, 97 in about a month. And I don't like to put on the air conditioning. Electricity is so expensive here. When my wife's here, we put it on. But, uh, you know, I remember summers in Baltimore. I was a kid, lived in a troubled neighborhood in Baltimore. And don't let anybody make you think that like the so-called, you know, black areas that all oh, the people are criminals. No, there's a high percentage of criminals and lowlifes. But most people are good, decent people that just, you know, want to provide for their families. And I remember we go out and play baseball all afternoon on hot summer. And Baltimore gets humid too and really hot. I remember be up in the 90s and we'd be out even in the streets. We didn't walk the baseball field, you know, throwing the ball, even hitting the ball, breaking an occasional window. Got into, well, almost got into trouble. We usually managed to escape. And it was really hot, but I'd be out there for hours. You know, it didn't bother me. It seems like when you get older, you can't put up with such heat, though. <laughs> you know what I mean, you somewhat older folks. Uh, anyway. How am I communicating? Well, I'm just talking to you, basically. Communication is really best if it's a two-way street. And you know that. But how much do you really communicate with people? And how much do you even plan to communicate? And have you thought about what communication actually is? I remember a conversation I had with some guy, a British guy, about my age. And we were talking about esoteric things. And anyway, uh, I would say something, explain something, that he would say something. We're talking about different theories, right? 
But one point I had the, the idea he wasn't even listening to me. So I did a little test. You can try this too. You explain your points, maybe you refute something he said, for example, and and you make a point, and then you let him start to talk. And if you notice that the other person isn't really responding to what you said, you say, oh, wait a minute, stop here. Uh, I forget, what did I say before? And he, he would say, what do you mean? I say, well, you know, before you started talking, what was I talking about? And this guy said, uh, well, I don't know. You said no. Said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do know that. Uh, you don't know what it was? And he said, well, you don't know what I was talking about. I said, yes, you were talking about this, and then you said this, and then you said this. Not that I have a brilliant memory, because I don't. But I actually listen to people. Now, you might think, well, we all do. No, we all don't. And sadly, you know, these are lessons you learn even when you get older in life. That conversation maybe 10 years ago. So I was already in my later 50s. But I realized that all my life, I thought that if you talk to people, explain things, they were actually listening just as I do listen to other people. But I realized that so many people just aren't listening. Think about that. Put this on pause and actually think about that. Think of some conversations you've had in your past. Now, maybe you're the type that does listen. Maybe you aren't. Warning, warning. Because communication has to be about listening, doesn't it? It's not just talking. It's getting your points across, but it's also listening to what the other person says. And I'm telling you, you think COVID was bad. Much worse for humanity and I'm not saying this sarcastically, much worse for humanity is that if a great part of the people, maybe like 60-70%, don't listen to what the others are saying, because then communication in the true sense is not possible. And this could even lead to wars. Look at all the wars that have been in history and still going on today. Wars in different places. We have to listen to those people. And we have to respond to what they say. Of course, we should make our points. But unfortunately, I say unfortunately, we have to make sure they're listening to us. We see this in the political arena. I've heard about this several times, and I've tried this too. People that totally down Trump, oh, he's the worst president in history, he's, he's like Hitler. And I would say to him, okay, name one thing he's done that's like Hitler. And they say, oh, he's just bad, he's like Hitler. I say, well, okay, name one thing he's done. Well, don't you watch TV? You can just hear it there. Say, no, no, you, if you understand this, you name one thing Trump's done that's like Hitler. Maybe they could say, well, you know, he, uh, uh, I don't know, he is a vegetarian. <laughs> well, I don't know if Trump's a vegetarian, but I don't think he is. <laughs> He's not. I think he likes Big Macs. In other words, we all have something in common with Hitler. We have two arms and two legs, most of us at least, and, you know, we eat and, uh, <laughs> and sleep. But, you know, when they say he's like Hitler, you know, what did Hitler do? Well, he attacked other countries, which Trump did not do. First president in a long time didn't start any new wars, right? So he's not like Hitler there. He didn't have any Holocaust. That was the other side, forced, trying to force vaccines on people. Right? Well, he didn't start anything like that. Oh, yes, Operation Warp Steed. He's involved in that somehow, and he's going to have to answer for that. What the full story is, we don't know yet. But at least he said people should have a choice with the vaccines, right? So how is he exactly like Hitler? And leftists believe vaccines are good anyway, right? So really, they should be praising Trump for that. If I were a leftist that hated Trump and were so foolish that I totally thought all these vaccines for COVID are good, but I wasn't a fool to that degree, even at the beginning. I thought, hey, wait a minute here. Let's see what could be in this stuff. And I saw at the beginning, listening to serious doctors, the great dangers of these and how politicians all over the world and the, the so-called medical industry was lying to us. I saw that in the early stage. Others couldn't see it, especially people on the left. They were lining up for one backs after the other. So why don't they praise Trump for that when they say, well, yes, I might hate him, but on the other hand, he was a great president because he had Operation Worsley so we could get our vaccines as soon as possible. I don't hear him saying that because they're also, uh, they have no integrity and they're like little rats that won't admit that maybe this guy they hated isn't so bad after all. And, you know, this, this for me is just despicable. I might totally disagree with the politics of somebody, but do something that I agree with, I'll say, well, at least I agree with that. But I've heard certain people that know, Trump could actually save the entire world from some great danger. And, and usher in a new era of humanity where we all have enough money to live and those sicknesses, and they would still hate him. Because it's like a, well, Trump derangement syndrome, you've heard that term. These people are not reasonable. These people are fanatics. I'm going to talk about fanaticism in another uh, chapter. However, don't think that fanaticism doesn't exist on the other side. Ooh, I'm going to do some... <laughs> 
I've had to hold myself back about doing that, you know, extreme religiosity and the fanaticism we say, see there. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm just somebody who can see things pretty clearly compared to the average person, certainly. And some people would see things even more clearly, great clairvoyance or people like that. Okay. <laughs> Not the most clear seeing. That's what clairvoyant means, clairvoyant, uh, clearly seeing in French, right? There are people that see things more clearly than I do. But but before you see somebody who sees things as clear as I do, you probably have to talk to thousands of people. No brag, just fact. I'm quoting Will Sonnet there. Look him up. <laughs> Old Will Sonnet played by Walter Brennan. No brag, just fact. And I've seen it clearly in these last few years. So communication. I'm talking alone here, so I'm just telling you things and giving you ideas and asking you to ponder, right? But when you talk to somebody, ideally it's communication. You listen to them, and they listen to you, and you take in what they say, and you respond to it. If they make a good point, if you have any integrity, you say, well, you know, that's a really good point. If it's a good point, admit it. I've done that all kinds of times. When somebody pointed, somebody was arguing against me, but they made a good point, I said, you know, that's a really good point. And maybe I had an answer to it that would bolster my narrative. Maybe I didn't. I'd say, you know, I never thought of that. Give me some time to think about it. What's the matter with being honest? Oh, pride? Oh, that's what it is. You have your views, whether, say, for example, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, and you don't want to change those views. To criticize the pro-Trump people, I can criticize Trump quite a bit, but whenever I do, they'll say, well, no, but uh, Trump was just fooled you know, with the vaccine. He was just fooled. He thought the vaccines were going to be really good, and they just fooled him. <laughs> yeah, right. As if somebody in his position had been attacked viciously for years, didn't have by that time the right people around him, didn't have the right information. If he didn't, he shouldn't ever have been president because he really is a total fool. And so then they shouldn't, shouldn't be for him. But believe me, he knew the facts. He knew what they were planning the other side, which was a worldwide genocide. He knew they were planning that. Now, he headed off at the pass in a way. It was so developed, just to explain that a little, that uh, he saw this can't be stopped. All over the world, they're terrified. People want vaccines. So he had his operation warp speed. So vaccines came out so quickly that they couldn't get them approved by the FDA. Therefore, they couldn't force you to take them. And through that, he's no doubt saved millions of lives. So he's not a bad guy, I don't believe. Nonetheless, when the tribunals start for this vaccine thing, when everything's revealed, he's going to have to testify too and explain some of his actions. And I'd love to ask him some of the questions. Who? Because, you know, I don't really play favorites. I think he is a good guy that's, I think he's probably going to end up being the most important president in history because he's presiding in the presidency at a time when the deep state is being taken down. And this is so monumental that most of you out there can't even imagine it. I can't imagine it either. It's so, so huge in its implications. But nonetheless, from the ground level, what we see in Trump, there's a lot of room to criticize. Believe me, and I don't mean the way the leftists do. They're, they're really just fanatics that don't see anything clearly. I'll get into that in another, uh, another topic or another episode. But communication is about listening and also speaking. It's an interchange, right? Ideally, maybe we communicate telepathically. You just think something. The other person knows exactly what you're thinking. Well, that's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> or they know exactly how you're thinking. They see all your reasoning immediately, and you see theirs. But let's face it, we're not little greys that can communicate telepathically, so we have to use words. Unfortunately, words block things too. The more skilled you are with words, the better you can communicate. But even the best of us with words often don't get across exactly the message in the way we're thinking it. That's difficult to do. It's a question of vocabulary, a question of how you put things, a question of with whom you're speaking. Because you can see it's a person who's, who doesn't take in very easily. You have to repeat your points. You say, wait, let's take a step back. I want to be sure you understand this. This is why some speakers will say things like, uh, do you see what I mean? Or does that make sense? Anthony Robbins would say that, I think. Does that make sense? So people have to stop and think of it. So, because he knows if he just says something, it might make total sense. But half the people aren't really listening. So he says, uh, does that make sense what I just said? And then they think, then they force to think, oh, oh, uh, yes, it does make sense. 
the little tricks that they use, because these great communicators like Anthony Robinson, he's a great one, they know the weakness of humans in general that most people don't even really listen. So by little tricks like that, does that make sense? Or uh, do you think that's right, what I'm saying here? Because then the other person has to concentrate on what you just said. And if they don't think it's right, they have to then respond to what you just said instead of just changing the subject and going off in, on some unrelated tangent, which a lot of people like to do. You bring up a good point and they totally avoid it. This is what lawyers, and some, this is a sleazy part of being a lawyer. The, the opposing attorney makes a very good point. But you don't say, well, you know, my opponent's right about that. Oh, you don't want to say that. So you try to change the subject. That's sleazy. In my mind, that's simply sleazy. I don't care who you are out there, lawyers listening. That's simply sleazy. I know you learn to do that because you have to present your client's case in the best light. And if, uh, if say, the district attorney makes a really good point, you don't want to talk about that point that the jury concentrates on because you want to win the case. For, but you're not, in other words, you lawyers, you're not after the truth. You're just after winning for a client or winning for the state. Isn't that right? Admit it. This one, one of the reasons why I never wanted to be a lawyer. I would have been talented as a lawyer, let me tell you. The way I can debate, I would have been, because it's not just intellect. I know people are more intelligent than I am, <laughs> certainly. But it's a question of not just the logical type of intelligence, but the emotional type, perceiving people, what they're like, what to say. If the person's like this or like this, whoo, I, I can do that real. I can manipulate like you wouldn't believe, but I don't do it because it's not ethical. But you know what I mean with the lawyers. That's why they have such a bad reputation, because they'll twist the truth to suit their purposes. That's what they do. They try to obscure. They can't come out and really lie, but they'll twist. They'll try to divert. And I just want to get to the truth in things, because I'm more I'm a philosopher by nature, not a lawyer by nature. <laughs> and thank God that I made that choice, though. If I were a lawyer, I'd have a lot more money than I do, believe me. As a philosopher, you don't make anything. <laughs> so anyway, once again, communication. I'm going to give you a trick here, the good news. It's not really a trick. It's not to trick people. It's to avoid arguments when two people don't agree on something. And I'm surprised people don't always do this. I guess nobody's thought of it. I don't know. That's amazing. I can't imagine nobody's thought of it. But maybe, maybe I'm the first. I don't know. That's always the first time, right? What people should do. Okay, let me ask you something. Name something you believe in. For example, say you're pro-Trump and you really love President Trump. Some people say, oh, the greatest president. Uh, well, you know, the jury's still out on that one. They make a prediction here. Trump is going to end up in history. And just a few years down the road, we're going to see he's the most important president in American history or one of, or the very worst in history. I said that amazingly, maybe I'm part psychic, uh, or the day after the election or the day when I found out in, in 2017 that Trump had won. I said to my wife, this guy's could be maybe the best president in history or the worst in history. There's no in between. And if you look at the country, some believe he's the best and some believe he's the worst. So in a way, I was already right. How did I know that? Well, I'm intuitive about these things. But he's going to be the best in a way that most people can't even imagine. Or he's going to be the worst in ways that people can't even imagine. It's more extreme than you think, people. Wait and see. But that's, that's another topic for another day. Communicating successfully, here's my tip, and I don't know why people don't do it. Let's say you're pro-Trump and you really believe in President Trump. Let me ask you, though, do you believe 100% in President Trump? Some people say, yes, I believe 100% President Trump. I'll say, you mean there's, think there's no chance in the world, not even one in a million, that maybe he's not such a good guy? And then they'll stop and say, well, maybe one in a million. So well, then you don't believe 100%, do you? You believe, you know, 99.9999 uh, or whatever percent. Well, yeah, but that's like 100. Well, okay, it's like 100. But you really believe to that extent? You think there's only a small fraction of possibility that he's really not the, the great president you think? They'll say, well, there is a chance, maybe 5%. So whether you don't believe 100%, you believe 95%. So why didn't you say it? Well, it's a figure of speech, 100%. Or the people would hate Trump. How sure are you that Trump is just terrible and he's evil, he's like Hitler? I'm 100%. You say, really? Well, let's go over Hitler's life and Trump's. Well, I didn't mean 100% once you back him into a corner. But, you know, 99%. Oh, well, then it's not 100, right? It's 1%. Then go into, you know, facts, what Hitler did, what Trump did. Well, okay, let's say 90%. <laughs> you know what I mean? In other words, people, this is the process. People have a belief. They don't bother to, to consider all the evidence. 
I compare this to back in, say, 1920s in the South. You know how racist people were back in 1920? That was a decade where the Ku Klux Klan grew to unimaginable proportions. Politicians in, in the Klan, you know, all over, people were in the Klan, except for blacks, of course, and Jews or Catholics, because the Klan hated all of them. But imagine a trial back then. Say a black guy is accused of raping a, a white woman. And a trial, say, in Alabama, 1924. And they pick a jury, not of blacks, they pick a, an all-white jury. And the poor black suspect, who happens to be innocent, is sitting there with his attorney, who is, he might be a white guy, but he's universally hated because he's defending a black guy, right? And imagine, is that jury going to really listen to the defense? Maybe the defense attorney says, it could not have been my client because we have 10, 10 witnesses, including white, saying that at that time when the rape occurred, my client was in a certain bar. I would bet you in that jury, half the people won't even hear that. They won't even listen to it. Because in their minds, this guy is black, and blacks have strong desires, and he attacked a white woman. And we all know that blacks are like that, so that guy is guilty in their eyes before they hear any evidence. And now let me ask you, do you want to be like that? I sure don't. I sure don't. So you anti-Trumpers, if you say, oh, 100% he's like Hitler, you don't listen to the reason of the other side, you're like one of those people. In an all-white jury in the 1920s in a rape case where the defendant is black, you just don't want to listen. You have your prejudices, and you won't change your mind for anything. And if somebody then says, well, look, but Trump did this. Oh, so you're a Nazi just like Trump. They, say, they really say stupid things like that. These people are just like those racists back in the 20s. I use that as an example because these people say they hate racism. Oh, right. But they're just like those people. In other words, they're fanatics that can't see the evidence because they're blinded by their own prejudice. And that's what it is. And I'll debate this topic with anybody. Amazingly, when I say to people, okay, let's have a debate about this. You can a pike. Oh, I don't want to appear your episode. Why not? One had the gall to say, oh, because you would then change and take out the good things I say. If that were the 18th century, would have said, I would slap him in the face with my gloves and said, sir, tomorrow at six, we're going to have a duel. Choose your weapons because I'm going to kill you no matter what you choose. What an insult. This guy had no reason to think I would never do such a thing. Besides which, he could record it too. And if I change the audio, taking out his good points, he could present the real, the full version and show that I'm a, a rat. No, he said it because he's chicken. That's why. He didn't want to debate with me because he's chicken. But instead of saying, well, you know, David, uh, I'm not as sure of my beliefs as you are. I'll say, well, for me, it's not about belief. It's about reason. And it's about evidence and about sound reasoning. But that's not his forte. He's a really intelligent guy. And he's not a bad person, I'll have to say. But that's the thing. And this is something that's hard to come to terms with at times. Some people seem bad. But if you use your intuition, you'll know some of these people are good, but they're totally hypnotized by their beliefs and even false beliefs. I'm going to have to talk much more about that in the future because it's something I've talked about before in the past, but people don't quite get it. At least most people don't. It's a deep topic. It concerns the workings of the human mind, things that should be taught in high schools. It's so important, maybe even in grade schools, and yet practically nobody is talking about this. Things I've recognized over the years, I learned hypnosis when I was in my early 20s, and just from the things I read and things I did life, let's call it life, my life, specifically. I learned things about how the human mind works. Some of these things are so important, are just so important. I mean, yeah, standard psychology, you learn some things, but what I can teach people is so much more you learn in four years of psychology, or even more years. Because the end in psychology, what do they do if you have mental problems? They give you drugs. <laughs> Gee. And they don't really understand what's going on. I can explain so many things to you. Once again, no brag, just fact, and I'll debate it with anybody with anybody. I'm not saying I know more about every area of psychology than you know great psychologists, psychiatrists. Of course I don't. They can give you the they can recite the whole catalog of mental illnesses. Well I can't do that. But the thing is a lot of things are much more simple than than they realize. So we know human beings have this tendency, talking about communication again, to simply believe what they want to believe. When you do that, you don't hear what the other person's saying. You already have your prejudice in your mind, and you don't hear what the other person's saying. You don't listen to it. And if you listen to it, you put it out of your mind immediately. It goes in one ear and out the other. And this should not be. Therefore, once again, get back to my little trick, positive trick for everybody. 
when somebody says, for example, Trump is bad, say, how sure are you in percentage of probability? It's not that difficult. For example, you're with a friend and you say, uh, I don't know, uh, where's your brother now? You say, oh, he's in his house. Right? Because, I don't know, it's 12 at night and you know your brother has to get up early, so you're pretty sure he's in his house. But then you ask, are you 100% sure? And he thinks, well, why is he asking me this? He might say, what reason? Why are you asking this? I say, well, then it's a little test. Are you 100% sure? He said, well, I'm not 100% sure. You might say, well, how sore are you? Well, 99% sure. Unless it was an accident, he had to go to the hospital or something like that. He's in his house. Say, okay, fine. 99% you're certain. But you can do this with any subject. That's the thing. People who <laughs> knew one guy, highly intelligent man, and we had debates about who killed Kennedy. And I've said for decades, it was not just Lee Harvey Oswald. And he said, no, it's not reasonable. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. Well, now it's coming out. It was the CIA. <laughs> I have to talk to him again about that. And also about aliens, UFOs. He said, that's total nonsense. Once again, it said, I'm a kind of like a conspiracy theorist. I said, how could a person like you, David, with a clear mind, believe in such nonsense? He said about eight, nine years ago. Well, now it's coming out on TV from the military, all these UFOs that they can't explain. They say they're probably from other planets. Well, looky there. <laughs> I have to get in my moment of, I told you so. Some people say, well, I hate to say I told you so, but, and of course, they love to say I told you so. And I'm honest. I love to say I told you so. And if you are right that I was wrong, I will accept it graciously. If you say, I told you so, David, and I'm going to say, yep, you're right. You were right and I was wrong. What's so hard about that? Oh, but it's pride, isn't it, that's keeping us from acting like simple, normal human beings, real human beings that admit when they make mistakes because everybody makes mistakes, right? So next time you talk about Trump, about this or that, for example, uh, some people say, America is going to dogs in five years. There won't be any America anymore. Ask him, how sore do you feel about that in percentage? Do you think it's 10% probable, 20, 30? Force them to give a number. They say, well, I can't say exactly. Well, no, don't give me exactly. Say 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever. And they say 100%. Say, well, you're sure that, for example, they say, and I can understand that, everything's going downhill so quickly that almost certainly in five years there's no America. We'll all be destroyed. Or they're simply a total dictatorship of globalists. They might say 99% certainty, 99.9. Say, well, you don't think it's possible that maybe all of this is a show to get people to wake up because the ones really in control have other plans and they're good plans for us. You don't see that as at least 5% probable? And they might say, well, yeah, maybe 5%. You say, well, you're not, then it's not 100%. In other words, but also don't, uh, don't use this to kind of, pushed them around this technique of asking for probabilities, what percentage they're sure that they're right. You have to offer your percentages too when you say something. For example, you say you think that, yes, there are aliens and some are good and some are bad. And say, I think with X percent of certainty of probability, this is the way it is. Say, I think 60% certain they're also bad aliens. If you're talking about aliens, if you're talking about something else, uh, some people say, oh, there's Democrats, they're all rats. And one guy I mentioned before, uh, he, th he always criticized Republicans, never Democrats. It's always memes against Republicans. I saw him a few weeks ago, I really should have asked, do you think with 100% certainty all Republicans are bad? Would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't take my own advice, but I didn't talk to him too long. I probably would have gotten to that. Because he probably wouldn't have said, well, yes. He goes, well, no, just the majority. He said, well, what, what percentage do you think it is? We have to get people to meet, be more precise. People on the other side say, well, Democrats are practically all bad. Well, look at Tulsi Gabbard. She's talking like, <laughs> almost like a Trump supporter now, though she's a Democrat. Uh, but not you know, supporting Trump. She's just saying things that are, that, that are in accord with common sense and de common decency. Or Bobby Kennedy Jr. Well, he's not a typical Democrat, is he? That's why, why the whole media is against him now. Because he's an anti-deep state Democrat. And I'm sure a lot of deep state Republicans are going to be against him as well. Let's see if he survives to the election 2024. But you could ask, well, okay, Bobby, can you think he's terrible? What, what percentage do you think he's really a bad guy? And what percentage could it be that he's a good guy? I always tend to say with things, and this, I don't know, it comes like intuitively. I say with 60% probability, within a month this is going to happen. And sometimes wrong. Amazingly often I'm right. 
Uh, some people say JFK Jr. is still alive, that he faked his death because the deep state wanted to kill him. Well, that could be. There are certain signs. For example, we had a talk with Hillary Clinton. He wanted to run for senator of New York, and so did she. <laughs> the deep state didn't want him. Certainly not, because he said as his, uh, as his uncle, Bobby Kennedy said, if I'm elected president, I'm going to use all the powers of presidency to find out who killed, well, JFK and RFK. So the deep state didn't want him. They would prefer Hillary, right? Supposedly, the two had a meeting, uh, and they were alone, I think, at a restaurant, and he came out, his friend said he was really perturbed, in other words, really bothered, but he didn't say what it was about. She probably said, look, if you run for senator, you're going to end up like your, like your father and your uncle. I wouldn't be surprised. In any case, he then had his plane accident over the sea, right, and then, well, he died tragically. But some people say he was just put in a protective program by the White Hats, and he's still alive. Of course, some people say Elvis is still alive. Probability that Elvis is still alive, I'll give it 0.00001%. First of all, <laughs> why would they fake Elvis' death? Second of all, Elvis w was in bad health then because he took so many drugs and things. So what is when was Elvis born? I forget, but we'd have like a what? Uh, uh, 90 year old Elvis running around someplace that survived all this. It's like, why would he do that? It's so stupid. So stupid. But Bobby, uh, excuse me, John Kennedy Jr., that's a different story. That his life was in danger, that he would fake his death, be working behind the scenes somehow. That's possible. I would give that as much as 30% probability, which is another way of saying, I think, to 70%, he's dead. You see what I mean? In other words, I'm not being fanatical about it. Yes, he's still alive someplace. Or no, he's 100%, he's dead. Uh, what people don't seem to think about is this. And you could ask this to anybody. You say, no, this is the way it is. You say, why? Well, because we saw it on TV. <laughs> These people are all assuming that everything we see on TV is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Are people crazy or what? It, it's when I ponder, th because I ponder things. I don't just let them go in one ear, they're there for two seconds, and they leave, and I go on the next topic. I really think about things. And especially at these past few years, most especially, but even decades ago, anybody would think that we get the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth from the mainstream media or from any media. You have to be delusional. You have to be half crazy to think that. If you just ponder it for a while, you know what I mean? I don't even mean in these times, but I mean, now things are coming out like Operation, I think it was called Mockingbird of the CIA. Look it up, Operation Mockingbird. I think that was the... Now, all these things are being revealed gradually. Operation Mockingbird, I think that was the name. I should, well, you look it up for yourself. I, I believe that was the name. Was an operation started in the 1950s, I think it was, 50s, 60s, of the CIA that they placed CIA agents in every news channel, that is, a network, CBS, NBC, ABC. There were the three big ones then. Fox didn't exist then, for you younger folks. <laughs> there were the three big ones. And in every team, they had CIA agents. And not just like one per network, there were several of them because they wanted to control the narrative. I don't know, maybe Walter Cronkite was, I don't know if he was one or not, I didn't read a lot about it. But they said, well, Walter, you should say, you should put it this way, right? And so all these, these uh, news networks, uh, well, stations, were collaborating with the CIA to form public opinion back in the 50s and 60s. Do you think that's changed since then? Really? No, what we see now is it's more blatant than ever. In the last few years. Isn't that interesting? More blatant than ever. In other words, CNN, total leftist. Fox, seem like total right, but then they're kind of against Trump too, right? Uh, interesting is that uh, who owns ultimately, you know, the shareholders, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, uh, Fox News also. Well, guess what? It's big investment corporations, BlackRock, Vanguard, a couple of others. BlackRock, Vanguard are the biggest. For example, BlackRock owns AT&T, and they own CNN. You trace back who really owns these places, and they're all owned by the same huge deep state investment firms. I'll put it that way. Look up BlackRock and Vanguard. Does that explain a lot we see in the media? However, in these last few years, and this is what most people, Trump supporter or not, you know, what they don't see, that everything is so blatant. It's so exaggerated. Uh, 
my talk with my brother Steve, I'm going to put that up before this one, maybe you heard it, about the Target store, uh, stores and how they have what my brother calls the demented line of children's clothing, that is LGBTQT clothing for little kids and, and young teenagers. <laughs> and, you know, you just have to ask yourself, how many people want that? The right doesn't want it. Religious people don't want it. Trump supporters don't want it. So forget all the right. But even among Democrats, most Democrats are good centrist people. Do you think the average Democrat wants his 10-year-old son to dress up half like a girl or like a gay guy? I don't think so. You figure. They say the black community, 95% vote Democrat. I'll tell you that's a lie. I'll tell you that's a lie. There are a lot of blacks that would support Trump immediately, and a lot that do. You have blacks in the, in the National Rifle Association because, you know, <laughs> blacks are like anybody else. Uh, you know, they can make up their own minds. They can see things. Some are superficial, like other races. Others think more deeply. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> to say that 95% they vote Democrat, yeah, it it's voted for them because of all the corruption in the voting system, especially in, in ghetto areas. Most blacks, they probably don't vote at all. But then their vote somehow gets through magically because, you know, they, oh, this, this guy didn't vote yet. Well, let's put in a vote for the, for the left, always for the left. That's why in all the big cities you have had Democratic mayors going back at least 50 years. You would think if the Democrats are really the party you want to help the blacks, you think the inner cities by now, considering the trillions invested in them and all the projects that they, they do for those communities, you think they'd be ideal communities. But they're worse than ever. So much for the Democrats helping the black community. And if in the next election we have fair voting that is controlled by the military, so there's no, so there's no uh, fraud, we're going to see that a, a good percentage of blacks are not going to be voting for Democrats the next time. We're going to see that. But if people think that what we see in the news, oh, that's the objective truth, but that's the way people are. I say to, I say to people, Biden is not and never was president. They say, well, that's crazy. I say, well, how do you know? Well, I see it on TV all the time. Now, true, that's quite a bit, quite a pack of lies of every channel on TV talks about Biden as being president. But I've pointed out, and I have to do maybe a one or two-parter even, mentioning all the evidence that I have that Biden is not president. I've mentioned bits and pieces of it. And sometimes one thing is enough to make you think, the inauguration ceremony with the howitzers, I've talked about that before, these little cannons that shoot off where they gave him a different ceremony. They gave Biden a funeral ceremony instead of the welcome, Mr. President, here's your inauguration cannonade. <laughs> the military? The military doesn't make mistakes like that. That was a sign Biden's not president. That alone should make you think. But there are many, many, many more things. But when I say it, some people, to their credit, say, well, David, that's interesting. Show me the evidence. Let's talk about this. But very few. Most of say, you must be crazy. Why? because they believe what they want to believe. And let me tell you, talk about problems in the world. I like to reduce things to their basic elements. I like to dig so deep that I get to basic principles. And here's a basic principle for you. I've mentioned before, I'll mention it probably a hundred times again. Don't forget it. One of the main problems with all of humanity, one of the main sources of all the problems humanity has ever had, whether it's wars, fights, bad policies, etc., etc. It's because human beings have the tendency to believe whatever the hell they want to believe. And you think, well, why not? People are free to believe what they want to believe. But there's a, there's a problem there, folks. There's a big problem. If you believe whatever you want to believe, you can choose to believe total nonsense. And you're going to believe it. And then you start arguing with other people because you know you're right and they know they're right. And meanwhile, there's some victims there abstract victims, like sound reasoning and evidence victims, right? Why in courts of law is it not an argument between the prosecutor and the defense attorney and they're just talking about their beliefs? Well, I believe my client is uh, innocent. No, no, I believe he's guilty. Well, I believe this and I believe he was there this time. No, I believe. No, the judge would say, he would call him to order and say, I'm going to have you both thrown into prison if you go in like that. This is about getting to the heart of the matter looking at the evidence and using sound reasoning, putting the pieces together. That's what we do in courts of law. And this is the way we should act in every area of life. No, I don't mean get a lawyer. <laughs> I don't want to give lawyers that much money. <laughs> Have a fight with your wife and both get lawyers right away, just for a little simple argument. Nah, no, don't, no thanks. 
But what we can do is communicate successfully. If your wife criticizes you for something, oh, not that I've ever been in that situation. <laughs> you know, well, well, maybe just three, four times a day. But it could be worse. You know. But, you know, I have to admit, and I do admit, sometimes she's totally right. <laughs> she's totally right. Look, you didn't wash this plate well. And I look at it and I'll laugh as, oh, you're right there. And I say, well, okay, put it there. I'll do it again. I'm not going to start a fight about that. Now, if she says, you didn't wash that plate well, and look at the plate, and I can't see anything on it. I'll say, no, this plate is clean. No, no, it's not. And I say, yes, it is. And then she says, let's hold it up into the sunlight. So, you see that little thing there in the sunlight? I say, well, sorry, but I wasn't holding up in the evening in the sunlight. It was, you know. So there, okay, uh, her standards are higher than mine are. And in the end, I washed the plate again. You see, that's the wisdom of having a long marriage. Men, listen to me out there. No matter what you think, no matter how soundly you reason, no matter the evidence, in almost everything, your wife is always right. <laughs> Just accept that. Just accept that. And you can have a long and happy marriage. I say it almost everything. There are a few things if she accuses you of cheating on her. Well, my wife never che knows me. But if she accuses you of cheating on her and she's wrong, then you have to fight it out and say, look, I didn't do that then because you have to take a stand because that's really important. But about little things especially, things that for men are little things and for women are not always little things, you know, put it that way. Uh, there are evolutionary reasons for that. I won't go into it now. Might amuse you out there. <laughs> that for another occasion. That's one of those topics where I think, well, maybe I shouldn't go into that because a lot of women are going to be offended. But look, I, I'm not here to offend people or to say nonsense to offend people. I back up what I say. I don't just throw beliefs out there. I tell you why I think that using sound reasoning and evidence. And once again, if we all do that, we're going to get, we're going to have more harmony in life. Somebody accuse you of something, ask for their reasoning. Ask for the reasoning. They, well, you're like a Nazi. Say, okay, let's talk about Nazis the way they're like, and now you show me how I'm like that. Then they might just then they start insulting you because they know they can't do that and say, well, obviously you just lost this discussion, this debate, because you can't you can't think clearly. Just don't say it if the person you're arguing with is like a professional boxer. You know, you know what you know, unless you're you're maybe at least 25 feet away and you're pointing a gun at him. Okay, then you can. Otherwise, you know. <laughs> He's going to give you a left hook or something and you're out cold, maybe even dead. So, <laughs> so you have to be careful. That's, that's the worst when the fanatic you're talking to happens to be really aggressive or the other guy has a gun or knife. Well, then be careful what you say. But the, to get out of the humor mode here, communicate successfully means to get your ideas across, but also to listen to their ideas and to deal with their ideas. Don't be a coward. If they make a point that's very good, admit it. Ideally, it should be like the triangle, uh, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis for all you fans of Hegel out there. Well, or Karl Marx. Well, Hegel didn't talk about it exactly in that way. Karl Marx. <laughs> I'm certainly not a Marxist, believe me. The guy was a total rat and half crazy. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, the idea of having you know one view and the other view, and then they clash, but in the end, something higher results. As, now, for him, it was always... The, you know, the, the people, the communists against the capitalist, and they fight it out in the end, you have something greater. That's a communist society, that kind of nonsense. No, I mean, in a, in a purer light here, you have opinion A, for example, Trump is, is totally good, best president ever. And the other person thinks he's totally bad, the worst tyrant ever. Well, you talk about it, respect what the other says, you just deal with it logically. One says Trump is like Hitler, and you prove that he's not like Hitler. But then maybe you say, oh, Trump always oh, the greatest ever. And the other person, you mean like Gandhi? Yes, like Mahatma Gandhi. And then you point out that Trump's not like Mahatma Gandhi either. So you're both wrong in a way. And point it out. But with this little technique, you can say, how convinced are you that Trump is either good or bad? Give, it, give me a percentage. If We should do this in the beginning of debates. In other words, somebody says something, for example, vaccines. They say even now. If somebody says this now, they're... They're on another planet. They haven't been reading anything. But they say, oh, vaccine, COVID vaccines are safe and effective. Then you should ask them, what do you think the probability is they're safe and effective? They say 100%. Well, then you can start tearing them apart. Because you have to in that case. Because that's a dangerous... People, 
I'll give you a little tidbit here. You know, there's another variant of that word. I shouldn't use this kind of humor, but it's me. I'm a Scorpio. What can I do? Tidbit, some, an old word is titbit. So a little tidbit, titbit, however you want to take it. I shouldn't make light of it. I'm not making light of the subject. It's just my humor. You know, humor helps you in life. It helps you take these very serious topics. Take with a, a little bit of humor just to be able to survive. You know what I mean, right? Okay. Statistic I heard from a doctor, a lady doctor, and she was basing it on studies, peer-reviewed studies. If you go back just a couple of years and then years before that, like a decade before that, the average number of women, 45 and younger, who had, who got breast cancer was 26,000 in America, on average, you know, like 19, six, uh, 19, 2016, 2017, you know, about 26,000, maybe 25,000 and a few, or 26,000 a few, average 26,000 per year. Then COVID comes along, first year COVID, still about average 26,000. Then the vaccines come along, and the first year, surprisingly, still about 26,000. But then, and she explained this, she said these spike proteins but then also with boosters, because remember, it wasn't just one vaccine like they lied at the beginning. Just get your COVID shot, singular, and you'll be fine. You won't get COVID. Well, that's not true because more people are getting COVID who've had the shots than haven't gotten the shots. And it's not because most of them vaccinated. Even when you allow for that, it's not that. People with the shots have weakened immune systems. I've been saying this for a couple of years now. Nobody wanted to listen. And I didn't just make it up. I was listening to serious doctors, in part whistleblowers, people who were being honest with the public and who for that were kicked out of hospitals, lost their jobs, had their lives threatened because they were telling the truth. That alone is a sign something fishy is happening, isn't it? Or are you a total fool? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? So I've known specifically since February 2021 that this is a genocidal program with the vaccines. But with Spike, it was about giving one vaccine to the other, and she also pointed out the boosters are much worse than the vaccines. The goal was to get people to accept vaccines. And some people died right away with the first vaccine. And I don't mean like 25 people in, the, in America. No, I mean thousands of people. And this was even documented by the CDC, who was all for the vaccines in their various database. I download the PDF that you'll see in the links below. Uh, that's the free download, a PDF with many links about the current COVID and vaccine situation. Uh, and you'll get a really good education. Start with the beginning links, start with the end links. All these things I've watched or read, by the way. I'm not just putting anything in there. And there are over 200 of them. So that gives you an idea. And I've watched many, at least at least twice, <laughs> that I haven't put in there. So go figure. The evidence is overwhelming. But in any case, to get back to this, average 26,000 women, 45 and younger, who contracted breast cancer per year in America. The first year of the vaccines, still about 26,000, maybe a little higher. But in 2022, 47,000. From average of 26,000 over years to 47,000, that's almost twice the number. And now in 2023, it's been over, brace yourself people, over 290,000. So we've gone from a couple of years ago, 26,000, to over 290,000 and 2023 is only half over. Ah, so it's gone up 11 times as many people in six months, which means by the end of the year, it should be over 500,000 from a, from a baseline, the average of 26,000. That was the average over years. 26,000, 25,000, half, 26,000. Oh, and then first year of vaccines, about 26,000 also. But 2022, second year of vaccines, 47,000. And 2023, first six months, over 290,000. If you don't think that that shows that something really evil is up, why would that happen? It would happen because of these vaccines. As I've been saying for two years, the purpose of the vaccine is to weaken your immune system. That's why they want you to take booster after booster, because otherwise it's too obvious. They can't kill so many people with just one shot because it's so obvious. So you stretch it out. Oh, you need two boosters a year, whatever. The, the prime minister of Japan that I consider a criminal, basically, 
recently said, I just got a nut, my sixth booster, sorry, my sixth shot, sixth booster, I forget which one was, but you know, another booster. And all old people and sick people should be sure they get the latest booster. Precisely the old and the sick, they're the ones they want to kill off to save their socialistic system here. Because that's what really eats up the money, because the state pays 70% of medical costs. But if all the old and sick people are dead, well, gee, then they can start paying off their debts. Japan has the greatest debts per capita in the world among the civilized countries, more, higher than in America. America, I'm sure, is catching up with them. But then Japan, my God, it's, it's just unbelievable the amount of, of debt they have here. So that's what's going on here. So if somebody says to you, oh, vaccines, they're safe and effective. Get the PDF, point out evidence, solid evidence is about reasoning and evidence. But ask them, first of all, once again, to get back to the technique I'm giving you here, say, are you 100% sure vaccines are totally safe and effective? And if they say yes, either they're getting paid by the industry or they're just total liars because they said it earlier and they don't want to admit that they were wrong or they're total fools. They're only those possibilities. They're really only those possibilities. But there too, ask them how sure they are in percentage. I came up with this technique years ago. I don't use it as much as I should. I'm going to start using it all the time in the future after doing this episode. I do it a lot for me when I opine about something. I'll say, I think this is true, uh, maybe 70%. With that uh, coup d'etat in Russia, with that Prigozhin, with the Wagner, or the Wagner group they say in English, uh, with that whole thing, I say, I think there's a good probability this is a false flag and something set up by Putin and Prigozhin. Now it looks like that was the case. But I wasn't sure. I was like, 50% chance one or the other. I didn't say like the, the mainstream media in America, oh, this is the proof that Putin's losing and that Prigozhin is, you know, there's going to be civil war in Russia, so Ukraine's going to win. They were saying stuff like that. Well, it looks like I'm cleverer than all of them together in the mainstream media in America. Of course, because they're all lying and I'm not. <laughs> But I thought, well, maybe Putin is in trouble. Give it a 50%. And it turns out that, well, yeah, it, what basically happened was Prigozhin is now in Belarusia, uh, Belarusia, White Russia, I think. They, I forget what they call it in English. Uh, I communicate so often in, in another language. But now he's in another country, better positioned really to attack Ukraine. And they, they say that the CIA was collaborating with him and they gave him $6.5 billion. But now I guess maybe you just gave that to Putin. <laughs> And now everything's fine between the two, apparently. So what they do, they got Pigosine in a much better position and they picked up six and a half billion dollars thanks to you American taxpayers. Uh, I don't think maybe Putin is so dumb after all. You see what I mean? <laughs> so that could be another debate topic we could have. But it doesn't matter the topic. I give you many examples here. But I'm getting back to the main thing. Use this technique when you start the religion. Oh, there's a good topic. I've debated religion since I was a kid. As a kid, I was a Catholic. And I believed this stuff until I read the entire Bible at the age of 12 to 13. I, every night I'd read some. Not because I was so religious, but I thought, I want to know more about this because they're telling us we have to live according to the Bible, etc. Well, let's see what's really in the Bible. Maybe they're just telling us certain stories, avoiding others. Well, guess what? That's just what they were doing. <laughs> they're giving us some stories and totally avoiding other stories. But I wanted to read the whole thing. Just as about eight years ago, well... <laughs> Maybe it was about 61 or, I don't know, 60, 61. I read the entire Quran to see what's really in the Quran. Heard people like Hillary Clinton, Obama saying, Quran is, uh, excuse me, Islam is a religion of peace, religion of peace. I thought, is it really such a religion of peace? Let me read the Quran. Let me tell you, uh, in part, it's a religion of peace. In part, it's a religion of war. And you can see it there in the Quran. So I want to get to the sources of these things. But in the topic of religion, you talk to somebody who's religious, say a fundamentalist Christian. He says, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and only through Jesus can we do anything. And, and, and we who believe we're going to be saved, and if we pray enough, the world's going to be a better place because Jesus is going to help us. And you ask them, how sure are you that, that Jesus Christ is really God? And they're going to say 100%. And then you say, how sure are you that your brand of Christianity, let's say it's I don't know, a certain fundamentalist Christian sect, that you are right and all the other Christian sects are wrong. Well, then they can think a little more because there are hundreds of Christian sects. You might say, well, Catholics are certainly wrong and these are wrong too. Da, 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 da. But yeah, there are a few of us that are right. Say, well, then why, why aren't you all together in the same denomination? 
Why do you have certain different beliefs? So you're absolutely sure that your specific brand of Christianity is totally right. They say, well, maybe I'm you know, 95% sure. They say, well, okay, then with 5%, you think you could be wrong. Do you study other types of Christianity or you just study your own type? Well, I study the Bible. They say, well, the oh, Bible, okay, well, that was written by Jews, right? After all, Jesus was a Jew himself. He didn't write the Bible, but nonetheless, and, you know, and the Old Testament old Jews, so why don't you become a Jew? Oh, because they didn't accept Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ was a Jew. Well, you didn't get from one point to the other. But so often you hear that their beliefs, they believe it 100%. And then you start to deconstruct it. And then the end they might say, you know, I did these things in college. And let me, this was in, well, ah, 73, 74, whenever. 75. And they were, and there's some people there thought I was the Antichrist. I'm serious. Let me tell you, the masses are so dumb and so crazy. Because I would argue against Certain, I was an atheist back. I'm not an atheist anymore, but I'm not a fundamentalist Christian either. But you know, I would simply have reasonable arguments, discussions about things like Christianity, and in the end, they didn't know what to say. So their conclusion was, I must be a Satanist, and I must be. And what, there was one girl that I didn't even know in, in the college campus, and somebody told me about her. I forget her name. Wouldn't mention it anyway. And she got a special cross to wear, bigger than normal little one she wore. And I said, well, why? She said, because she heard about you and she thinks you're the Antichrist and she got that to ward you off if you ever get close to her. And this was a college student in America? The person belongs to a mental hospital. I mean, seriously now, seriously. But she belonged to what was called Campus Crusaders, some kind of, you know, extreme religious group. And, you know, and she heard that somebody is arguing that Jesus Christ maybe isn't God. So her conclusion was, I must be a Satanist and maybe I myself am the Antichrist. Okay, maybe she just did have mental problems, but there are others that thought I'm like a say I never I didn't believe in Satan. That's why when when Trump supporters today say, Yes, we're fighting Obama and Hillary, they're Satanists. I've seen no evidence they're Satanists. I'm sure they don't even believe in Satan. But if you believe in Jesus Christ and he's your savior, then anybody that doesn't, he must be rooting for Satan. This is so stupid, people. I mean, really. If you're one of those people, get over it. Or debate with me and I'll I'll show you the light. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? And I'll let you talk, I'll let you give your reasons, and I'll give my reasons, and then we'll see who's closer to the truth. And I'm not saying Satanists don't exist. I mean, this is another episode I'm going into, really. But I'm saying you can apply this thinking there, too. Ask how sure they are that Obama worships Satan. Are they 100% sure? Say, yes, I'm 100% sure. Say, okay, where's the evidence? Well, because he has satanic rituals. Say, okay, where's the evidence for that? Well, I, I saw it in a video, or I read it in an article. Is that the evidence? Really? Is that evidence? Really? How many videos? How many, and what evidence did they present? Uh, well, it was this guy that I trust, and he said, oh, really? You believe anybody? You didn't even meet him personally, this guy, and he's saying about Satan, and you believe it? People, we have to wake up, and we, and we have to help other people wake up. And this is one way to do it. I'm going to end this now, because I go on with examples for all day, let's face it. When The next time you enter any kind of a debate... Any kind of debate. Say at the beginning, okay, let's have a little rule here. I'm going to state my opinion. I'm going to give the percentage to which I believe that. For example, I believe President Trump is one of the good guys. If you ask me if I believe that 100%, I'll say no. Immediately, I'll say no. I'll say, based on what I've seen, all the pieces I've put together, I feel with 90% certainty, these numbers pop into my head almost like intuition, with 90% certainty. Well, first of all, Trump is working with but the other side, the anti-deep state side, and I'll say that with 99% certainty, but that he's ultimately really a good guy, I'll say with 90% certainty, because there's a gray area there. And then if I talk to somebody who's totally against her, I say, how certain are you, 100%? Well, now let's debate. And if they can't give you concrete evidence, if they can't answer your objections, then okay. But if they try to avoid the topic, then they're probably fanatics. I talked to a woman the other day, well, communicated, and uh, she suddenly started believing in flat earth theory. I won't even get into that now. And I said, okay, here are my objections. You know, I don't just say you're crazy. And that's that's a, a lack of respect because maybe somebody did go crazy. You know what I mean? Somebody says, I think President Trump is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, you can say you're crazy. and you, Of course, you're thinking that. <laughs> of course, you're thinking it. But suppose the person did go crazy. Do you really want to insult the insane? You know what I mean? Maybe a person did go crazy. You have to help them. This is this common humanity, isn't it? So you say, okay, you think President Trump is Jesus Christ. What evidence do you have for that? Oh, because I saw a picture of him praying well, you know, or, or whatever because he quoted the Bible. Well, millions of people quote the Bible. Well, why do you think he incarnated as Jesus Christ? You know, Christians don't even believe in reincarnation. Why do you think that? In other words, the person maybe is crazy. You have to help him to reason more clearly to get him away from these fanatical beliefs. So we should listen to people, if only for that reason, out of respect for other human beings. Don't just say, oh, you're crazy, or you're a conspiracy theorist. That expression is so stupid. I, I mean, I've put people in their place for that a hundred times when they throw that, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. They say, what, what's a conspiracy? You think there's never been a conspiracy in human history? Well, yeah, but, well, and what's a theory? It's not saying it's fact. It's saying it's a theory based on certain things. So why don't we get in now to see whether this topic really concerns a conspiracy or not, and then they don't know what to say. And if they're really proud, they might start to insult me. And I say, well, you obviously just lost the, the, the debate here because you're resorting to methods like insults. And that's and if if they just want to be on that level of insulting, believe me, I can insult people better than anybody because <laughs> I know just – I'm good at psychology. I know just what buttons to push with each person. I can drive them crazy if I wanted to. I don't do it because I'm a nice guy. But in other words, people, in the end here – Use this technique at the beginning. Say, okay, my stance is this. I believe this. I believe in Christianity. I believe Jesus Christ died for sins. Well, I don't, but if you believe that. And then, okay, say, I believe that with X percent certainty. If you say with 100% certainty, I'd have to say you're a fool. Sorry. Why? Not because I say it's not true, because it could be true. Jesus Christ dying for our sins. It could be true. I, I readily admit that. But 100% certainty, suppose, for example, in philosophy, you say, maybe all of this is just an illusion and this life isn't even real. Now, I don't think that's the case, but it could be 0.001% probable. In that case, you can't be 100% certain that anything is real. You see what I mean? So at the most, you can say, Jesus Christ our Savior, and I believe that with 99.9% .9 certainty. Okay, there you have a basis. And the other person could say, for example, a Muslim might say, well, he was a really great prophet. He and Muhammad, they believe Jesus was one of the greatest prophets, you know, the, the Muslims. They say, I don't believe he died for, for our sins. And a Muslim might say, I believe that with 100% certainty. There are two, you say, well, you, can you really be 100% sure? Well, no, say 99%. At least then, you've opened the door. Each one has admitted, I could be wrong. So now we don't have to insult each other. Now we don't have to debate really viciously. We don't have to try to destroy the other. Now we can talk about the topic itself. Look at the evidence, and believe me, you're not going to find evidence for a topic like that. So, you know, you can look at why you believe it. Maybe the Muslim believes in Muhammad just because he was raised like that. And the Christian believes in Christ just because he was raised like that. Well, case closed. <laughs> Let's face it, you know, there is pretty obvious they believe what they think just because they've been told that a thousand times. And then you can get into that topic. So use this technique. The next time when you see, especially when things are getting heated, say, okay, let's take a step back. Because we still won't be in good terms. How fervently do you believe whatever? Give me a percentage. And you do it first. Say, I believe this. For example, I believe there will be, some people say there could be nuclear war within six months. Well, maybe you believe that too. Some of us don't believe it. Say, I think with 80% certainty there won't be. Real nuclear war, large scale, I think the probability is very low, despite everything happening. The fear that it's going to happen, that they're going to scare us, making us think it's going to happen, that's very high. Won't get into why. But state your probabilities. How much do you, to what percentage of probability do you believe in what you believe? And think about it first. And then ask the other person to do the same. And that way, we don't have to insult people. We don't have to get angry. We just have, and we can see from the beginning that maybe they say, well, I'm 60% sure. Well, in that case, they're not, you know, maybe there's no reason to even debate with them because they know they can be wrong. Maybe you say also 60%. Well, okay, let's, Keep being friends. It's a very good technique that I hardly recommend to anybody uh, that, that might like to keep things calmer and on a more sensible, reasonable level. And I apologize if I went into too many other topics and didn't just stick to this technique, but I went to show it how it could be used using examples of very divisive themes in our day. And once again, I'll say about the vaccines, 
in quotes, because that's not the purpose of vaccines. It's about a genocidal program to depopulate the earth. I've said it for over two years now, and you, if you, even if you don't believe it, you will see. You will see. It's going to be revealed. It's, it's, it's clear anyway if you've been following these things closely from a multitude of sources. And I'll just say, if you know that these vaccines are so-called vaccines are harmful, don't avoid the topic. If you have family members or other people that are totally convinced, I have to get my next booster, don't you think, well, that's their life. Because let me tell you, people, if they get the next booster and they get myocarditis, they get cancer, they get this or that, or they just drop dead the second day after the booster, and you know that maybe, just maybe you could have made them think twice and you didn't do it, you could regret that for the rest of your life. Risk a debate. Risk even hard feelings, but do what you can to wake them up to what's going on. And if you don't, there's something to matter. I'm sorry, but there's something to matter with you. You're a, you're a coward at the very least. And in order to do that, download that PDF I have with all those links. Get a little concrete information. Or just pass it on to them. You, you can say like, well, I don't know, but I've heard a lot of bad things about vaccines. Oh, no, vaccines are safe and effective. Well, let me say this PDF and look at some of those things. You know, some of those people I put in there, they didn't put any charlatans there. People, it's people like Michael Yeadon, who used to be the second in command at Pfizer and their chief researcher, scientific researcher. And he was saying from the beginning, this was like a genocidal program. He didn't work there anymore. Or Luc Montagnier, since deceased, he was really old, and he won the Nobel Prize for Virology in 2008. He's no quack. So get him to see things like that, but do something. And I'm going to say this maybe in every episode in the future. Do something to help wake people up. Don't just avoid the topic, oh, because we don't want to get into an unpleasant conversation. People, this is about life and death. Imagine if, if you, who didn't get the vaccines, had gotten them, and you're thinking, oh, my God, you're reading more and more about them. Oh, my God, am I going to get myocarditis? Am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to develop cancer? And maybe you do develop something. Maybe it wasn't the vaccine because you just got the salt water. That's another topic. Not everybody got the real thing. Uh, but you don't know. You're going to think it's the vaccines. You'll be paranoid for the rest of your life. Don't let the people you know, whether you know them well or not, don't let them run into that trap. Take a stand. And don't attack them in a belief. Just say, hey, you know, I've heard some negative things. And here's some information I can give you. And you shouldn't watch because by now, most people know somebody who were harmed by vaccines. I know a number of people. But in case you know people that are talking about getting the next booster, help wake them up, please. Uh, show that you're fully a human being and that you do care about others. I care about others. And I've lost some friends through this because they didn't want to listen to me. They got mad at me. They didn't have better arguments. Oh, no, no. They didn't have better arguments. But they just preferred not to communicate with me at all because they were mad at me because I wouldn't let up. And I didn't let up because of my friends. I didn't want to see them getting poisoned, get poisoned. So... If I lost friends, so be it. But I wasn't going to stand by and let them run into this and have nobody inform them what's really going on. Uh, by now, maybe they've seen, maybe they're too proud to admit they're wrong. I don't know. In the future, I'd like to get in touch with them and see, first of all, if they're still alive. I don't know. So once again, don't forget the technique. Define probabilities. How sincerely do you believe in something at the beginning of a talk and ask your opponent to do the same thing? And then you'll see more or less what you're up against. You'll see how fanatical the other person is or how open-minded they are. And that can give a good basis. And use the same technique during the conversation when you make a statement. Say, well, I think with 70% probably, it's probably like this. What do you think? And listen to what the other person says. You follow this advice, and I guarantee your conversations are going to be more civilized and more enlightening for others and also for you. Having said all of that in over an hour, Sorry for not being more concise. <laughs> I wish you a fine day wherever you are. And thanks to following me on this, The Path of Socrates. Bye now. <laughs>